to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life, and I'm Darlene Brock, and I kind of find it a challenge to define me. Mm -hmm. I am not predictable. I don't fit in a box. My past has included all kinds of things. I like to say Darlene Brock from the commune to successful career in the music industry to wife of nearly 40 years and mother to two grown daughters. It's pretty impressive. Some of those feel like they contradict each other. And I love that about you. Yeah, I I actually love it about me too. So (laughs) I don't... Not one of those defines me. Mm-hmm. Everything together does. I like it. Well, and I'm Julie Graham, and I think this episode will kind of lend itself to filling in for the fun little intro line. So I'm going to skip it on this episode because I can. Yes, you so can. So I'm Julie Graham, the end. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, opposite of the end. I am Julie Graham in the present. <laughs> yeah, in the present. But I kind of love I, I am Julie Graham, the end, because that is kind of how you walk in a room. I am Julie Graham, the end. I love it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, this episode, we're going to talk about how the past should or should not define you and also how to leave the past in the past. Mm. And I think uh, it's appropriate to have a discussion where I'm going to talk to Julie. I'm going to ask her some questions because her past would make many people think that she had life stacked against her, that she had challenges as a child that most would have trouble overcoming, that Mm -hmm. most would have trouble getting past. So we're just going to talk a little bit about your upbringing, Julie. So I know some information and I want you to share it with our, our listeners. So let me start here. Let's go there. Yeah. Here we go, friends. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you ready? Are you ready, Julie? Sure. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um, Let me just start here. You were very young when you no longer lived with your mother. Yes. That's one of the biggest differences, I would say, in my upbringing. Um, I wasn't raised by either of my parents. In fact, I've never met my dad. I hope to one day, but we'll just see if God opens that door. But yeah, my mom... um, she herself, I, I mean, I like to say it that she was, um, she was a child herself uh, when she started having her kids. And so, how old was she? She actually was fourteen when my older sister was born. Whoa, okay. I mean, a child. Yeah, she was a child. And then I, she had me when she was eighteen, and then my younger sister, nineteen. So nineteen years old, three kids. I, I mean, I get, talk about odds stacked against you, right? Yeah. Um, She had more challenges, correct? Yeah. I mean, she was addicted to drugs, as was my father, and that's actually how they knew each other. And so the truth is that she wasn't physically, mentally mature enough to care for her kids. And so I was three, and then my younger sister was two, when it kind of became obvious that my mom wasn't going to be able to kind of clean her life up enough to care for her kids. And so my younger sister and I were um, sent to sunny South Southwest Florida to live with our great grandparents. It was supposed to be a temporary thing, and one thing led to another, and there just wasn't really any other plan beyond can they come stay with you for a little bit. And so I was three years old when I ended up in my great grandmother's. Okay. House. 
great grandmother. Yes. I mean, I, I am now a grandmother, and <laughs> I just had my three-year-old grandson, which I totally loved having him with me. But I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. You and your little sister went with your great. Could you imagine having two toddlers in your care just forever? No, I <laughs> not can't. Forever, but so, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah. So not only was it a challenge for you, mm. it was a challenge for them too. Yeah. So my sister and I um, came down to live with our great grandparents, Granny and Papa. And so Granny obviously was kind of became our primary caregiver because my Papa was actually twelve years older than her. Oh, wow. And okay. yeah, um, I think if I did the math right, I think she was like 67 when we came to live with her. I can't wow. even imagine. And Papa was 79. Yeah, I think that's right. And he had no legs. He had been a war vet and had some issues from um, combat that he'd had some injuries. And so how much help was he with two toddlers? So here she was caring for all three of us. So those years were actually pretty difficult um, so for all you- of us. You came there temporarily. But yeah, the idea was the idea was for it to be temporary, and then we actually, my sister and I, became wards of the state. So our our grand great grandparents. I always say grandparents because it just feels easier to say yeah, that, but sure. they were actually my great grandparents. You know, they became our legal guardians. Um, but my papa passed away only if I think three years after we came to live with them. And so granny kind of, she ended up stepping in and, and taking care of my little sister and I until we graduated high school. All right. So was your, were your, I know your father was not in your life. Was your mom in your life at all in that time? No, not until we were um, middle school, high school. And it was really because she, you know, she continued to struggle. Those patterns of addiction are hard to break. And, you know, the kinds of things that she had struggled with that had kind of gotten her into drugs and negative friendships, those were really hard for her to get out of. Um, and, And I think she would agree too. then losing her kids because she was still a child, not able to raise her kids. Then she struggled for years with the shame and the, the pain associated with not raising her kids. Um, so the first time I met her, I believe I was in middle school, you know, maybe like seventh, eighth grade. And I remember meeting her and kind of that idea that she was really struggling with so much shame. Our interaction was, I just remember feeling like, well, this is weird because she really just kind of cried the whole time because here she was faced with her daughter who she didn't really know. And she just was so overcome by the guilt and shame of the fact that she hadn't been able to raise us that it it just was, it just plagued her. And, um, I remember even then being able to look at her and say, but I'm okay. And it's okay. And let's forget about that. Like, I don't hold that against you. Instead, let's build a relationship starting now. Um, And it didn't really start right away because it actually did take her a few more years to where she could, in one sense, begin to forgive herself for not being able to care for us. And then we started to kind of build more of an actual relationship more when I was in high school. It amazes me that even at that age, you were um, wanting to have a good relationship Mm -hmm. with a woman that a lot of kids would say, you left me. You mm-hmm. didn't want to be in my life. You mm-hmm. broke my heart. Why mm-hmm. don't? You, why aren't you part of my life? And I, I think those are natural emotions. And I have to assume you had those occasionally. You know, it's so. I can only say that it was God that maybe pro- that would have almost protected me from having those thoughts. Um, because so my younger sister and I that I did grow up with, she and I are very close because we did share our childhood together. And we've had conversations about that I didn't have those feelings. And yet my younger sister did. And 
she did feel those things of, well, why would I even want to meet her if she didn't care for us? And I just never had, I just never had those feelings. Um, kind of, it makes me want to go back to our episode on optimism. I just always had more that kind of view of, well, if one day I can know her, why wouldn't I want to do that? Why would I let the fact that we didn't have those first 11, 12 years together then affect the rest of my life when I could instead pick up and start today and spend the rest of my life going forward, having her in my life at whatever capacity, you know, we can handle or works for us. So I can only say that it was God that allowed me to kind of have that open heart toward her. And you haven't met your father. No, I haven't. You know, and what's interesting is I have that same feeling toward him, to be honest. Um, I want to meet him one day. And and for those same reasons, to be able to say, I, I can look and see that you guys were, for a lack of a better word, you were ill, you were sick, you were not able to care for your children because of those addictions and things you were struggling with. And so... If you're in a healthy place today, so I would be willing to meet him if there's proof that he's not in those same, you know, life circumstances, I would want to meet him because again, if I give my mom that chance, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me to not do that the same for him one day. But here's the, here's the situation. I've lived my whole life without a dad. So to be completely honest, I almost never think about him until I'm in a conversation like this. And then I'm telling you, I'm totally going to meet him, but I won't think about it again until somebody else asks me about him. Yeah. Which is interesting, right? That I almost never think about it. Um, it is. And you know, that's, that's a whole nother conversation (laughs) growing up without a daddy, you Mm -hmm. know, but that's a whole different one. Um, I do know because of conversations we've had that your life wasn't necessarily easy financially um, with the dynamics of growing up with just your great grandmother Mm -hmm. ultimately. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't old enough to work or even if she could, she couldn't work and then have a way to take care of us that would actually pay for our care. And so financially, it was always a strain. Um, She did receive, you know, some state funding for us. From what I can, you know, kind of remember being a child and kind of assessing the situation, it certainly wasn't enough money. Um, And she was always very stressed by money. And, you know, now that I'm older, I can think back into and think she had to have just been exhausted all the time. Cause I think of how exhausted I am at, you know, I, I like to still say early thirties, but I think I have to say mid thirties, <laughs> mid thirties with my three angel. And so if I feel this exhausted at the end of the day, um, I can't imagine caring for two toddlers, um, when I should be enjoying my retirement, you yeah, know, for sure. And it did create in you. And again, I think every person has different reactions Mm -hmm. to the same scenario. Like Mm -hmm. you said, you and your sister, you had different emotions and different feelings toward the same mother. Well, I also think that you react differently in how you're going to face that challenge. I think you went to work at like four or something. (laughs) What did you do? I I would have started working at four if somebody (laughs) would give me a chance. Um, Yeah. I mean, so there was kind of always that understood that there wasn't enough money um, to do things. Like I think I joked on another episode that my grandma, I say grandmother, it was a granny, had put us in different activities, but I think she could just never afford to keep them up. Um, So sure, I did a few rounds of tap lessons, but I'm 
sure it was just too much and maybe okay, even just too I just exhausting. Wanted, do you still know how to tap? Um, well, the other day I was trying to show my moves to one of my best friend's little girls who had just started tapping uh-huh. and I had done tap, but then I also did clogging because our elementary school had a free clogging I program. Of course. Um, so I could show you my clogging moves one day. Okay. I mean, I'm, I could still do that. We're going um, to shuffle, videotape shuffle tap. that just so you know. <laughs> We're going to put it up. Yeah. Oh, if I could get some clogs right now, that would be so fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I definitely, I, I knew even like with clogging, like I knew that I was doing clogging because we couldn't afford tap. And so I started babysitting when I was like 11 years old. Um, and then I actually got my first job when I was 13 because I knew that if I could make money, then I could do some of those activities that would give me, um, you know, something to enjoy. Um, and honestly something outside of the house because, so I kind of mentioned, you know, granny was obviously older, um, and you know, the financial strain, but the truth is she was also pretty unhappy. Um, I, I think there was some pressure with when Papa died, um, I think some of the things she expected were going to happen, you know, in terms of retirement, just it didn't end up being true. Right. And so now she was left to raise two young girls with little to no money. Um, and then I think th- I think there was a lot of resentment on her end that ended up, whether she meant to or not, you know, that's probably another conversation. Um, you know, I, I think she did kind of turn that resentment toward her life situation, really toward um, toward me, to be honest. Um, my younger sister definitely got to slide right into the baby, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, position in the family. And sh- we joke, actually, my whole family, we joke that my sister is still lovingly referred to as the baby. Um, <laughs> I, we literally call her that. And so she, you know, she was definitely the favorite and I don't think she would be surprised to hear me say that. Um, so a lot of that frustration that I think granny felt, she did kind of direct it toward me. Um, so I was looking for ways to kind of get out of being home, to be honest. Well, and I think something that's important that our listeners need to hear, so they might be these people in some other child's life, mm. is you had some neighbors mm-hmm. who came into your life and kind of offered you a home away from home. Yes. Neighbors and, um, you know, a school friend who ended up to be, um, to go to the to go to the church right next to my elementary school that I you know just so happened to be invited to one day just so happened of course I mean God allowed it um, mm-hmm. I ended up um, you know going to the church that was right next to my elementary school and then my best friend from school his family immediately recognized you know the the situation I was living in and, um, just made it a point to include me in all of their family activities. Um, so for the bulk of my childhood, that family, um, you know, they took me to special dinners and they, um, I spent a lot of Sunday afternoons just at their house between church. And then eventually when I got a little old enough youth group, I would just spend the day with them to kind of have that home away from home where I felt, you know, a part of a healthier family unit. Well, and I think that's an important part is because these people invested in you, Mm -hmm. that you actually got to see a healthy family. Mm -hmm. You got to see one who the parents loved one another. Mm -hmm. They loved their children. Their faith was part, a big part of their life. They made life choices that you probably hadn't seen until then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, that idea of the life choices, um, it's good that you bring that up because that's something even at such a young age, 
I had this sense that I needed to make life choices that would be different from my mom's, you know, and as a young girl, I didn't, I couldn't understand, you know, what would have led her to the circumstances she found herself in. Um, but I definitely knew that part of the reason I was living, you know, with my great grandmother was because my mom had made some poor choices. And so at a young age, I kind of remember almost resolving to steer clear of all of those kinds of things that could get me onto a similar path. Um, you know, and, and part of the dysfunction in living with granny is that, you know, uh, instead of encouraging me to not make those choices, it's almost like she was speaking to me that I was inevitably going to. And you kind of mentioned you can go one way or the other when you have this kind of, um, you know, cycle, you're either going to follow it or you're going to choose to break it. And here I was, you know, seven, eight, nine years old and having this sense that I needed to break that cycle, even though granny in her own unhealth was kind of saying, you'll end up just like her. I had this inner resolve that, no, I won't. I'll choose the opposite of what she chose, even though you seem to think I have no no ability to, to do anything but follow in her footsteps. It's like I had this inner drive, this inner grit, let's call it. Um, and I would also say it was the grace of God, his hand over me to um, empower me to choose the opposite. Yeah, I, I remember one time because we were just discussing high school years, which was a billion years of mine <laughs> ago. But, you know, I, I was of the generation where you experimented with things. OK, and I remember saying to you, did you ever try drugs? And you looked at me like I had another head <laughs> grown on my shoulder mm -hmm. and said, absolutely not. Yeah, I wanted to avoid anything that could potentially ever take me down the road where I might, for lack of a better word, end up like my mom. And I just want to say real quick um, that I love my mom. I respect my mom. I have a great relationship with her now. Um, and I love when we get to kind of talk about those things because I get to say to her, yeah, that was your past, but I don't define you by that. And um, I take every opportunity I can to tell her how proud of her I am that of her course. life looks so different today. Um, and I can see it that when I say those things, it almost doesn't fully sink in. Like I can see that she still struggles with some guilt and shame. And I hope that she'll even listen to this episode and just be reminded that none of her daughters want that for her and that we do all love and respect and are proud of her. Well, and I think it's important, especially in this episode where we're saying our past doesn't define us. That also means we need to understand that those in our lives who made bad choices their past doesn't define them either. Yeah. It is their current place, their current choice that will define them. And because of where she is now, you have a good relationship. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and I would say like my mom and I, we have a great friendship really. Um, you know, I do, I do, I get sad when I think about those years that we didn't have together, but you know, now having a child of my own, instead of focusing on the years we didn't have together, I'd rather focus on building a bond now and for her to have a bond with my son and, you know, those kinds of things instead, just choosing to focus on what can be instead of what coulda, shoulda, woulda. Yeah. And I, you know, I know I'm really proud of you and who you are and the choices you made, even when you were little and who you've become. I also want to give a break to some of the 
people who maybe grew up in your situation and mm-hmm. didn't have the same grit mm-hmm. or challenge or ability to to fight back against the challenge, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean they can't now. Absolutely. I would 1000% echo that statement. Um, you know, and like I, I kind of mentioned my younger sister and she kind of had that negativity toward my mom growing up. Um, I remember she was just one year behind me in school. And so we had a lot of the same friends or at least, you know, knew a lot of the same people. And I remember being, we were still in elementary school. And I remember I had told several of my friends about, you know, my mom's story and how I ended up living with, you know, my great grandmother, because as you might imagine, we were the only kids in school <laughs> being raised by our great grandmother. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of when we probably started using just grandmother because it sure. felt wait, it was already weird to say I'm raised by my grandmother, but then to say great grandmother, most of our friends didn't even know their great grandparents. Yeah, took it to another level. Yeah. So, and I remember my sister one day, um, you know, really getting upset with me that she had heard through the playground or something, a friend of hers found out that we weren't being raised by our mom. And that I had told that friend that our mom had had a drug problem. Um, And my little sister was so embarrassed and so mad at me for sharing that. And I just remember at the time thinking, but that doesn't define us. And, you know, just us having those different perspectives. Um, And I will say also about my little sister now, my little sister and my mom have a very close relationship. And so they were able to overcome that, you know, as my sister got older and was able to forgive my mom and look toward building a relationship. But again, it's that, you know, having different perspectives and different ways that you handle and process things just because we're different people. Yeah. And I love, I love seeing the wedding pictures mm-hmm. of the, my, my sister's wedding this summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Last family summer. unit, the, the, you know, the mm-hmm. girls all together. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Yep. It's pretty awesome. Well, okay, Julie, we have unveiled your life to a degree. Of, wow, listeners. such a small degree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many, can we do a series here? Yeah, because we actually there's could. There's a whole nother we, we element to all of that. We actually could. But I think what we want to do with this is to say it does not define you. When mm-hmm. I look at what you've dealt with growing up, um, there are a lot of kids in foster care system mm-hmm. or in dysfunctional families um, that have now grown up. They were in it. They've now grown up. So will it define them? Mm -hmm. Whether it is you've gone through a divorce or you've gone through, or you've made choice life, you have made life choices Mm -hmm. that have hurt you or other people. Mm -hmm. Does that define you? Mm -hmm. And we're saying no. Yeah. And I mean, just as somebody who, who has those kinds of pieces in my past, um, and let's also just clarify that I am not at all saying that I did everything perfectly. Um, I, you know, I know for years I harbored some bitterness and anger toward um, Granny who raised me because of some of those, you know, difficult years. She and I had a lot of difficult years, um, and she has since passed. Um, obviously, you know, she was like I said, older when she even took us in. Um, and even just having to forgive her for some of those difficult years, and then to forgive myself for you know, for in one sense, being a child and not knowing how to process all of the difficult things that were handed to me. Um, there's definitely been, I've had to forgive myself for the way I handled myself in some of those situations, because I found myself 11 years old and basically sort of beginning to raise myself. And, you know, obviously I messed up along the way. I, um, I said some things I shouldn't have said. I, I took things out on her for lack of a better word and, um, being able to, 
forgive her and forgive myself for those things. And then, like you said, making a choice to then make a shift, make a turn in the way I think about those things and the way I carry myself as a result of those things and the way I treat other people in my life having that life experience. They're all choices that you get to make and you don't make every single one right. Absolutely not. Um, But you step forward with grace. Um, And two, I think it helps if you take the time and to me, it would take time to go, all right, let me look at the situation from a different perspective, not from the little girl who entered this home, but from the woman who opened her home. Mm -hmm. And even if in the end, her attitude turned difficult, negative, even combative sometimes, in the end, you go, man, she took on a lot. Absolutely. She took on a lot. So I think sometimes we have to step back to be able to forgive someone else for things that they did that weren't great. Obviously, we're not great. We have to step back and try to gain their perspective, Mm -hmm. try to gain their life view. And I think that is one of the things that has helped me the most throughout the entirety of my life as I go through a difficult season into a new difficult season, into a different difficult season that now as a 30-something-year-old woman, I can see, hmm, I found myself in some of those circumstances because of those first difficult years that led me to another pattern of difficult years, to another set of difficult circumstances. But to be able to say, okay, that is what it is. It was what it was. And how can I move forward today with fresh perspective, um, you know, and new, and new grace for myself and those around me. I think one thing that you said a little while ago about your father, that you went to meet him one day, but you also clarified it. If he is in a place Mm. where he is not currently doing things that you would not be comfortable with or want to be around. Um, I think that's another thing we have to recognize is you don't, give everyone a second chance. That sounds bad, but you don't give them the opportunity to be in your life when they have not changed theirs Mm -hmm. because they will only bring into your life what has destroyed theirs. Yeah, totally. So I think you have to be really careful and don't just automatically go, everybody deserves a second chance. Mm -hmm. I think we do in life, but we also have to earn it, especially if they're coming into your life. Yep. So... Learn from your past. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you said, let it be part of defining you, um, but it is not the full definition of who you are and who you will be. No. And it should never be because it is a layer and it's a layer that you can learn from. Mm -hmm. You can grow in, you can gain more understanding. You can grow in grace because you see some of the challenges they had that you may not have seen, whether it's your mother or your great great grandmother, mm-hmm. or you know your sister, even mm-hmm. that you know you may have looked at her as a little girl and said, "I don't get why you don't get over this," mm-hmm. but now you understand mm-hmm. that I think we offer each other grace in the process. Julie, one thing I think that you have done really well that I think we all need to incorporate in very many parts of our life is don't point fingers because mm. this is not about what they did; it's about what we're going to do. Mm. It's about what we're going to be, no matter what they've done. Yeah, I mean, and I and I know that I was guilty of that in seasons. And so as I've continued to age and then as I've become a mom myself, <laughs> isn't that so refining? It makes um, everything, it puts everything in perspective. <laughs> it certainly does. You know, just being able, you know, you've heard that phrase, they did the best they could at the time. 
Um, and recognizing that that is so incredibly true, um, and that it does me no good and anyone else no good to focus on pointing fingers and blaming and not forgiving where instead I should focus on what I have today. I only have today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and obviously even just with a recent unexpected passing of my husband, that whole idea of I only have today could not be any more true. Um, and something I'm really trying to live from. I literally only have today. So how can I invest in the relationships that I have in the present instead of focusing so much on the past? Yeah, I found this saying that I really like. It is live for what today has to offer, not what yesterday has taken away. Wow. Yeah, that is really powerful. Um, I would say that's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm failing at it often, but I think that that's, I have just a fresh perspective on why that would be so important. And I hope that someone else would hear that and say, yeah, that's something I want to really try to strive for. Um, not on my own strength, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, really leaning into the Lord for how, how that can even be possible because it is easy to get caught up in your difficulties, your past, what has been done to you. Um, but in, I love that, not focusing on what was taken away, but focusing on what is happening today or who I am today in the midst of whatever I may have experienced. Yeah. And give yourself a break. When you don't do that and you focus on the past, it's okay, but move out of it. Move yeah. And, of and it. yeah, what can I learn from the past? If I find myself going back, let me instead shift my focus to what I can learn from it and then get back on thinking about making the most of today. All right. Julie Graham, thank you for being ever so transparent. Mm. Um, be bold and just be you. Is that what <laughs> we're saying here? Wow. I like it. <laughs> yeah. That is her uh, mantra. Is that yeah. what we call it? Yeah. We'll call yeah. it a mantra. Yeah. Sure is. So I think we should end with a quote today. I like it. You do know I love a good quote. All right. Today's quote is from Sonia Riccati. Surrender to what is. Let go of what was. Have faith in what will be. I think that's a pretty good goal for this week in your grit and grace life. Thanks for listening to another episode of this grit and grace life podcast brought to you by the grit and grace project. Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show. So more people can find us and be sure to subscribe. So you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to the grit and grace project.org. You can follow us on social. So you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.